he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event, entertainment, and engagement. My name is Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here every week, as I am, with my cohort in crime, Alex Epostaris. Hi, Alex. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's going to be such a great year. It is going to be the best year ever for every single person. Are you feeling that? Oh, I know it. Deep in your gut, you know it? It's a knowing. It's beyond a, I wish, I hope, I think, I know it. I know it. Mm, I'm really bored to hear that because uh, you're not someone that says things like that capriciously. You would say, you know, I'm kind of thinking it might or it feels, but you are very, very definitive in this. I am very definitive. So I am on board absolutely yay yay so today we have a guest joining us from the midwest and why don't we just get right into it with him let's tell everyone who he is well our guest today left the corporate world to pursue a full-time career in the entertainment industry and started his now award-winning cover band called maggie speaks but after being asked where can I find a band like yours? He started started offering to book the club for them, which led him to the creation of his company, Magnificent Events. And he is heralded as one of the top event producers in the Chicagoland area, one of my favorite cities. So our guest and his team produced high quality events, securing top quality celebrity and professional entertainment. He was also honored for innovation in entrepreneurship at the 2019 Entrepreneurial Excellent Award. That's His motto is, if it doesn't exist, I will create it. Please, please, please give a warm welcome to Mr. David Calzaretta. Hello, David. What's up? Not too much. How are you? Well, we're hungry because uh, every time we talk about Dave Calzaretta, you have become Dave Calzone. So my fault. I'm so sorry. My fault. It's okay. It's all in love. It's all in love because it's an Italian thing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And you're with Italians here. So yeah, it couldn't get any better. Forget about it. Forget about it. I mean, I I grew I grew up as a Tony Baloney, so I felt it was not, I wasn't being disrespectful in letting you know that you are now Dave Calzone. Understood. Understood. What, what kind of toppings do I have? That's the question. Tell us, you tell us. (laughs) What kind of toppings do you want to be? I'll see if I, if I was just eating. It would be, uh, you know, black olive sausage and pepperoni, but, you know, we could go all kinds of different ways with this that might get us in trouble in podcast land. So, <laughs> well, I just well, have let's to just stay cheese right now. Right. Hey, well, I have to ask you. Chicago style or true Sicilian pizza, because I'm Sicilian and there's a difference. Chicago there style is a difference. Or true Sicilian. Pizza. I am half Sicilian. Um I actually, Lou Melnati's is my favorite pizza uh-huh. in all of the world. So I either like, I either like Lou's, which is, uh, you know, kind of its own animal, but a Chicago deep dish with nice butter crust, mm-hmm. or I like a really, really thin, crispy crust. There's a place called Vito and Nick's uh, on the south side of Chicago. That's pretty famous for their ultra thin crust. Mm. So. Both, please. I know now I'm hungry. So I'm going to answer your question, though. I prefer deep dish over Sicilian pizza because it's very bready Sicilian pizza. Yeah. It's all bread, pretty much. And a little bit of topping. It's almost like yeah. a focaccio, really. It's it's Yeah, because my cousin who's visiting makes it. Her dad from Sicily 
made it. And so it's just a lot of garlic and good tomatoes, you know, boiled. Oh, it's just so good. I'm super excited. Yeah. She's going to make it for me. And so just we to- have a, we have a tradition for uh, Christmas Eve. My son and I make homemade ravioli from scratch and we make about 300 of them because we do wow. like a, a meatless Christmas Eve and stuff. So as we're talking Italian now, now the big question is, is it, is it sauce or is it gravy with you guys? So we're a sauce family. Gravy's for Turkey. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm kind my, of a gravy. My grandparents, my grandparents were a gravy. Mm. So. Yeah. Kind of a gravy. Yeah. It you depends know. on my audience though. You but know, you're not like Sicilian, Anthony. No, right. You're not. Northern Italian. See, we're Sicilian. No, no, no. We're not I think Northern that's Italian. a difference. It's right? much classier than my, my heritage. <laughs> we are, we were Napolitan and uh calabrese both in the southern regions okay so what way that's where my dad's from ah that's that's my dad's side we're we're from a little olive village called olivito chitra which is about 45 minutes northwest of salerno so olivito chitra chitra c-i-t-r-a chitra yep interesting so you're you're not saying though the further south you get, the less class there is, right? We didn't hear that. Oh, I am for sure <laughs> saying that. Well, my family's from Messina. I think the further south you get, the worse your temper is. That's mm. what I found with us. So but the more that's flavorful. where my Sicilian. <laughs> yes, yeah, more, more flavorful color. life is right. More color. Just exactly. watch your knapsack. You're you're yes. lucky. I'm mostly Greek, Anthony. Right? Since <laughs> there's just. Just a little bit of spice in there. This is a little bit, but you know, the Greeks are not all that different. You know, same corporation, different division. Right, right, exactly. Actually, they say that, you know, fear of Greek even more, but but no, that wasn't a threat. (laughs) (laughs) You better strike that, D'Angelo. You might want to edit that out for you know posterity's sake. So Dave. Dave, 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 Dave. I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but it's just looming in front of me right now. Who the heck is Maggie? Well, for sake of uh, not having to lawyer up and stuff, there's a cartoon that's been on for quite some time. And there's a little baby in there that never speaks. And so that is Maggie. And it's caused quite the confusion over the years because even before when we started out without a female singer, everybody was wondering who Maggie was. Was it my girlfriend, my wife, you know, all that stuff. And we never really one time. That's also possible today. That that is possible today. Um, So, yeah, no, we uh, that's what you get in 1998 when you start your band at the age of 24. And uh, we were down to two names. It was either they killed Kenny or Maggie Speaks. We're big Simpsons and South Park fans. And for the sake of our looming corporate career, I'm glad we chose Maggie Speaks. Uh, otherwise, we'd sound like kind of a thrash metal band, uh, you know, what they killed Kenny. So, okay. Do people catch that? Do, do, do your audiences come up and ask you if that's the reference? To, uh, to, most to... people just ask who is Maggie. Um, a few people have caught it. Uh, at one point back in the early 2000s, we had a logo that had a little pacifier hanging off that. of it um, way back when. And that was a little bit of a Easter egg for people. But uh, yeah, most people don't don't catch it. And I think one of the funnier moments we were, uh, you know, back when, gosh, this had to have been close to 20 years ago, we were doing the Why Me Pink Ribbon Ball and Miss Illinois uh, was Miss Universe that year. And so she was introducing the band. And at the time, we were an all-male band. Um, and she just hadn't done her research or asked the question. But we're all standing up there waiting to go on. And they said, and now it's time for Maggie Speaks. She's a wonderful performer. And we all looked around at each other and go, oh, no. well, Maggie, di- Maggie didn't show up tonight. So I guess we're just doing the show ourselves, boys. <laughs> <laughs> You're all Maggie. Yes. You're all Maggie. So. It's, it's really clever. It's such a clever really uh, band name. Uh, it kind of goes against the grain of what you're, you, you expect to, to see and hear in our 
in our uh, lovely little industry. What brought you to that, to the industry? How did you get to the industry? Sure. So, you know, I, I'd have to just cite my dad for all of this. We kind of followed opposite paths in that um, my dad was a singer growing up uh, in 1948 when he was 12. He won a car for his family in Chicago in a singing competition through Morris B. Sachs, which was like kind of a department store at the time in Chicago. So that was a big deal for a family that didn't really have two nickels to rub together. And then he went on to form a group called the Highlights in the 50s uh, with some neighborhood guys. So it was uh, sort of circa the four aces and four lads, that those yeah. type of groups. They recorded for Bally Records mm -hmm. and they had a song called City of Angels. And that song went up to number three in Chicago while Elvis had number one and two. And it went up to number 18 nationally on uh, Billboard charts. And then from there, you know, they were kind of, you know, they were young guys. They were kind of mismanaged, all that kind of stuff. And so they, you know, they had recorded 345, so six sides. Uh, and then their career kind of fizzled out. My dad became a school teacher and then he became a business executive. Um, and so when I went to college, you know, I always knew I, I was musical because I, I could sing and I could hear that I could sing. Um, and then uh, I went to Indiana for college and just listening to my mother say, do something practical. <laughs> you know, uh, I majored in accounting and um well, you know, when I got out of college, I had a job at General Mills as a financial analyst, and then I was an intellectual property financial consultant. I passed the CPA examination, and I was so bored sitting in my cubicle that I started a band on the side, but I ran it like a business because I had a business background, and you know, from there, I started working more on my band in my cubicle than I was doing my job. And so finally, I had built it up to the point where, you know, I thought I could kind of jump off and try it for a living. And that was, gosh, 2000 when I went full time. So it's been 21, 23 years total, but 21 years of full time. And I think part of the, you know, jumping off point for me was that, I could speak the corporate language. So I think I gave different answers to corporate clients that were looking to hire our band than a typical musician. And case in point, what I would say with that is, you know, one of our clients that has traveled us all over the globe to Shanghai and Australia and uh, Rome and places like that. It's kind of the dream client that we all hope for. Yes. And we've had them since 2009. But I remember back then, you know, they they asked me, you know, what do you think uh, you're going to bring to this event? And I stopped and I asked them some questions. So, well, who's going to be at this event? And it was a multi-billion dollar company and it was for their top 500 salespeople. And I'm sure most of the band said, well, I'll pack your dance floor and blah, blah, blah. You know, and to me, that's like the price of admittance right there. Like they right, wouldn't be talking right. if they didn't think that. And so my answer to that was, you know, these are your 500 top thoroughbreds that make your company go and drive your revenue. I said, so it's really my job, to, you know, these people to get this trip and hit their goals have put their heads down for 50 weeks out of the 52 in the year and just grind, you know, we're grinding the whole time, selling, selling, selling. And I said, mm -hmm. so my job really is to make sure on Monday when they go home from this trip, that they go had such a great time that they go back into the office and grind for another 50 weeks so that they just can't miss the trip next year. And I think they like that answer as opposed to, well, I'll play Uptown Funk and have people dancing and stuff. So, um, that you know, that's really answer. what drove me to it. And that's a great, yeah, mm -hmm. it's a great answer. It's the right answer. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're right. A lot of, a lot of bands, uh, a lot of band leaders don't understand the lingo and what's important. It's how we started our agency. It was on, on some very basic principles, like be on time, look good. Don't, you know, be flexible. Don't be argumentative. You know, understand that they may not be listening with their mouths shut, you know, um, because at the end of the day, they are not going to understand if it's in B flat or C. And if a tiny little bit is off for a second, they're not going to understand that. They're not going to catch that. But they will know if you're not on time, 
if you're inflexible and rude or whatever, and if you don't look the part. So go ahead, comment. Well, I was going to say, I mean, just, you know, speaking to your point, Anthony, uh, you know, it was funny. We did a, a survey basically where we interviewed 10 of our top clients and just tried to find out like, why do you hire us? And the answers were phenomenal because I was expecting something way more deep, you know, when they all started with, you came, you came on time, you weren't drunk, you weren't high. Like, it's like, wow, that's the bar, huh? That's the bar. <laughs> that's not super hard to exceed if you just have, you know, a little bit of responsibility about you. And, uh, you know, so I think it's interesting. And, and, you know, I would say, you know, it's funny, we, uh, we were fortunate enough to win a spotlight award way back in the event mm -hmm. solutions days. And I had to, you know, for best entertainment and I had to give a speech and, you know, to accept the award. And I said, you know, I learned early on, I think uh, Rebecca Coons was my first corporate entertainment producer that I worked with. And she's been a dear friend ever since. And, you know, so I thanked her and stuff. And I said, you know, early on, we learned to show up, shut up, play our show, shut up, collect our check, shut up, go home and shut up a few more times. And, you know, and I think really realizing that, you know, these, these huge corporate events, there's so many moving parts and you're just one spoke in the wheel. And if you become right. the stick in that spoke that throws it all off, then, you know, you haven't, you haven't realized who you're playing for. You're playing for those people that earned that trip. Right. And then you're playing for those people that organize that trip. Cause if it doesn't go well, they don't have a job when they get back mm -hmm. to the office on Monday. So that's right. So you approach it like a good Italian son, make your mama proud. Yes. yes. You know, and with, uh, with gratitude because, and I'm sure you agree because if those people did not exist, nor would there be a business. Sometimes we get a little frustrated by clients who um, want to change things at the last minute or envision something different at the last minute. And I, I always have to remind myself that if the client wasn't as creative or as visionary as he or she was to begin with, we may not even be having, we might not have this discussion at all. So you have to appreciate the fact that some of those people are difficult, but it's only because they want the show, the event, whatever it is to be the best that it can possibly be. And if you just understand that and move forward with them, uh, it's easier, right? And you, and you keep clients, right? How many of your clients are repeat? Oh, I mean, the majority of them. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and I think, I think what we try and do when we go in is we try and, you know, at least at the beginning, I try and speak to the fact that we're trying to establish a partnership here and an understanding that we're on the same team. Um, we're here to execute their vision. And, you know, I think there's a big misnomer in the industry, like, you know, that you have to change entertainment each year. And to me, I try and set up the dominoes or set up the bowling pins to be knocked down and say, how about if we change each year so you don't have to change from us? Mm -hmm. And that way you develop a trusted relationship, um, you know, and somebody that can execute. Because I think when you find vendors that you really, you know, enjoy working with are responsible, you're essentially buying an insurance policy mm -hmm. for your event. And each and every time you introduce something new to the event, you're taking a risk that it's not going to stay in its own lane and fit with everything. So I think that's really been, you know, a key to it. And then I think also, you know, just speaking of assembling a team of thoroughbreds and realizing you don't buy a thoroughbred and lock it up in the barn, you have to let it run. And so trying to establish the fact that, you know, we're experts, you're experts, we all need to work together, rather than micromanage each other or be obstinate to each other, you know, I think it's really important to have that uh, open communication on events so that, you know, people realize like, you know, you guys do this thousands and thousands of times over your career. Why would somebody that does it, you know, four or five times know anything better than you, but it's important that they know that you value their opinion and you build that trust together so that they can let you do your thing within, you know, within their vision. 
How much educating of band members do you find yourself doing when they come aboard? Or do you, I imagine that Maggie Speaks has a, a really defined culture, but when people come in, it sort of changes things up, right? So do you find that you have to educate new people? Do you have new people? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, we've been pretty lucky to have some stalwarts with us over the, you know, 20 some years that we've been together. So but, you know, of course, there's turnover from time to time. Uh, people move on, people get out of the industry, people get new opportunities. Um, so when we bring somebody in, you know, there's a lot of education that goes on. Um, you know, I remember that we had, we had one singer, um, that we still had that I had to talk to early on and just say, Hey, you know, sometimes when you play a lot of these high society events, you're dealing with high net worth people, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you can't go into these events as a starving artist uh, with a chip on your shoulder, being jealous of so like, these are the clients that you want because they entertain. And so you have to learn how to fit into that environment. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want the singer to run out and put the mic in their face and embarrass them in front of their friends. If they don't know the word, you know, things like that, like trying to educate them as to, you know, Hey, once that door opens to the room, you got to figure out how to stay in the room. You know, that's the, that's the key thing. And then I think the other thing that was very interesting that I had to have some education points on with, um, some of our some of our musicians we played uh you know we played a, a politician's inauguration a very high profile event it was us in maroon five and i had to educate them on the vetting process that happened that i had to submit everybody's name they vetted all of our social media et cetera, et cetera, to find out you know had we said anything controversial that would look bad against his political party or his campaign and things like that so then you know fast forward during covid when you've got this crazy election going on and you know it doesn't matter if you're blue red whatever side you sit on if you're, you know, you got to be careful if you're out there, you know, you don't want to limit anybody's First Amendment rights. But, you know, are you really solving the world's problems by spouting off very, you know, uh, distinct views on things? Because, you know, I think in business, it's important to see green and not red and blue. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. you know, if you get called by another party, then they vet you like there's certain people that I, I had to tell like, hey, if this happens, I'm going to have to leave you off this performance because you won't pass the test. And I'm just telling you that so that you can make your own decisions on what you post on your social media, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you want to keep posting that, that's, you know, that's within your rights, certainly, but just know if something comes up where I have to submit names, I, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna come into play. So I mean, I think there's just, you know, especially now, there's a lot of education that has to go on with people. Uh, we also have a, a joke within our band that, you know, we say we're not the winners here. And the reason we say that is, we were doing a gig in Hawaii. And we walked into our hotel rooms, and we were in the room block. And, you know, we found these gift baskets on our on our beds that had, you know, $500 Ray-Ban sunglasses and it, all this stuff. And before we opened them, we called the planner and we just said, Hey, before our people tear into this and think this is for them, do you want these back? You know, we're, we're a vendor. We're not one of the delegates. So, and I mean, this event planner, I thought it was kind of funny because she started yelling at us and going, you bring those back. You're not the winners here today. And it's like, well, that's why we're calling you. We haven't torn. Into oh, them. my. Like, wow. like we're giving them we're giving them back. But we just wanted to make sure because sometimes you get there and they're like, no, you know, keep them and come right. on the excursions and stuff. So, you know, that's kind of our joke. Whenever we go on a big fly date, we tell everybody you're not the winners here. So you're not don't the do anything. <laughs> don't do anything until someone tells you to. Oh, my. How did that make you feel? I mean, you did the right it, it, thing, yeah. but just what yeah. was the repercussion of that yeah. comment for you personally? Yeah, for us, I mean, it's it's kind of become folklore with us that we laugh about, but it was just like, wow, like, you know, if we wouldn't have said anything, they would have never known, you know, right. it wasn't, no one was tracking this. I would have thought, 
you know, it, it just made me shake my head and go, you know, like you just never know at a corporate event what's going to come up. And so you got to have your head on a swivel and understand like, yeah, there's just going to be times when you're the help and, mm -hmm. you know, you got to just show up and shut up. And no matter what comes back at you, you know, you're, you keep your eye on the prize. You keep your eye on the mission of like making sure the people have a good time because, you know, that winds up trumping everything. But yeah, I, I definitely had a, a moment of pause there and said, well, I'm not sure how I could have handled that differently, but apparently there must have been a way. <laughs> no, so. I don't think so. But I had two questions. One is, um, so did it make it harder to give them the kind of show that you normally give them? Because it was at the front of this experience in Hawaii, right? And was it the person who made this comment to you? Was that person your contact? throughout the process or was that somebody else that didn't know you? Sure. Um, I don't think it made it harder for us to deliver. Uh, you know, I think once the lights go on and you get on stage and you see the people having a great time, it's like, you know, everything kind of goes by the wayside and the adrenaline kicks in. So, you know, I, I always looked at it like this. I mean, I've traveled places and I'm sure Anthony, you have too, that I would have never dreamed in a million years that, you know, I'd be able to do on somebody else's dime. So I'm always very thankful, you know, I'm staying at, you know, hotels and resorts that frankly, I I'm cheap. So I would never right. pay to stay at on my own, you know, it's even like, though it's you're not the winner stuff. here. <laughs> right, exactly. So but uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, definitely go above and beyond, because I love to travel. And I love to have those experiences in life. Um, and the person was our, our point of contact. They weren't the decision maker in terms of like the client, you know, has the ultimate say on, you know, us getting booked and things like that. So I, I don't think it would have. And I, I think at the end of the day, she would uh, honestly, I think it was a good lesson for me because I'm sure she was getting pressure from a zillion different places and just had mm -hmm. a bad moment. Yeah. And I think I think what we've all hopefully learned in COVID is like, grace, you know, like we have to give people grace because like, you know, I think about like, you know, you see all the cancel culture and this and that. And it's like, you know, we can't judge everybody in, in a bad moment because we all have them. And it's like, when you, you know, say something to somebody that you're, ah, I shouldn't have said that. like you, you want, you want grace and you want a chance to recircle the wagon and stuff. And I think, I think it's really important to give that to people. I think it's I, beautiful. I love that. Yeah. That's my favorite word in the entire language is grace. Hopefully we can uh, get that out there on the, on the news and stuff and get some mm -hmm. more people using it. <laughs> so. so Dave work is obviously a priority having work, booking, making sure the band is working. Would you ever say that you're selling out to some degree because you are keeping your mouth closed. And I'm asking this because I often wonder about it myself. And uh, I'd love your take on the idea of sort of losing who you are in your work to ensure that you're getting work. Yeah, not stirring I, the pot. Yeah, I think that. Um... You know, like like good old Kenny Rogers said, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, right? Like, I mean, I think <laughs> to me, it, I, there's times when I have walked away from business because, you know, I haven't liked how I've been treated or this or that. But I mean, for the most part, I think I've been really fortunate that, you know, we've worked with really good people over the years. Um, you know, there's, uh, I think, I think for me, it, it it's really just kind of comes down to I'm doing this because I like to entertain people. I think sometimes musicians, you know, and I'm on both sides, both as a producer and both as a performer and a, you know, agent, all that kind of stuff. So I think I have like a, a 360 degree view of the process with it, but I never went down the path of being a musician because I wanted 
to write my own songs and play them in big stadiums with people singing. I mean, sure, certainly that would be great, but I get a joy out of, you know, I, I always say I had lousy nine to five jobs at one point in my life. And my job really is to make other people forget about theirs for three or four hours a night. And so like, that's the joy I get. So as long as I get that, I think I'm okay. As long as people are, are treating us well. And if they're not, then I also feel like one of the things that I think would really help our industry is if people didn't approach it from a point of desperation, if they approached it from a point of integrity and, you know, one of the things like I'm working on uh, a class on negotiating right now, because we negotiate for a living. But if you ask anybody in our industry, the first thing that is, I hate negotiating, I hate that. And I, I want to educate people on it. And so many people say to me, like, why would you, um, you know, why would you want to have your competitors learn how you negotiate? And I said, so that they ask for more money <laughs> because I don't want to lose things on price. I want to lose things based on creativity and quality because that I can control. Right. And I'd like to see everybody kind of hold themselves to uh, a certain standard and certain mm-hmm. integrity. And I think it's important that we all learn how to value our time and value our services um, and stand up for that because, you know, how many times have we all gotten that call from, you know, some fundraiser event that says, well, I don't really have a budget for music. And I say, well, where's your event? Well, it's at the four seasons mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, well, clearly you've chosen not to have a budget for music because you don't value that portion and you're looking, you know, to lean on. So now if you, t- you know, if you tell me, Hey, you know, my kids got cancer and I rented out a VFW hall and I'm having, you know, Italian beef sandwiches and just trying to raise some, then I'm there and I'm there for no money, you know, mm-hmm. but if you're telling me you've got a legitimate event, I think it's important for their value is because otherwise, you know, it becomes a race to the bottom. You know, this should be taught in schools, quite honestly, knowing your own worth, um, knowing your value and learning how to be an advocate for yourself. I think we're all my, my teenage daughter and I were talking about this today. We know how to advocate for other people. We know how to advocate strongly for other people. I don't think we ever are taught how to advocate for ourselves. And it is important that people know your your worth and your value, but it's more important that you know your own worth and value. And once you know that, you can approach everything from a level of confidence that then puts confidence from the client to you. Because you know, yeah. when you're, oh, when you're him, oh, well, you know, you could probably do better. Oh, who wants to hire that? So I, I mean, sure. I, I wish that that would be a course that we taught in schools. Well, the one thing I would recommend uh, during COVID Music Cares was very, uh, very instrumental and very supportive of the industry. And they gave, uh, they gave a lot of people a free subscription of masterclass.com. And Chris Voss's class on negotiating is just absolutely worth, you know, yeah. if you have to pay for this for, for a year, it's worth whatever it costs. And, and it's fantastic. I mean, I think, you know, there's just little negotiating 101 things, you know, when people say, you know, well, how much do you charge? And someone says no, five, 5,000, like that's different than I charge $5,000. This is what it costs or this is what it includes. Like if you're, coming at it with a question, then you're telling the person on the other end, I don't really know what I'm worth, as opposed to being very definitive and stating it with confidence. And, you know, and I think it's important that, you know, you, it's important to educate the client and it's using the car analogy, like you get a different experience when you go shopping for a Cadillac or a BMW than you do going and looking for a, you know, Toyota Yaris or something like it, they both are cars, they both move, but they're both very different and they both cost different things. So it's interesting that you're talking about advocating for yourself. I'm, I don't even know where I, I stand on this issue because uh, there, there is the opposite. That is, there are people who are really good at advocating for themselves and that's probably what they're best at. So when it comes down to actually enacting anything based on how well they've advocated for themselves, you get zero. 
You know, they overestimate their value. Mm -hmm. And so not that this applies to Illy in the slightest, but I can see that as being, uh, <laughs> you know, an issue to teaching it. And I, I can see the, the anarchy that would sort of come from teaching, you know, this in school, not, not that it's the wrong thing to teach, but it just feels kind of, ooh, that's shaky ground, <laughs> teaching all these people to fight for their worth when there isn't. Well, I also worth. think you've got to balance it with people staying true to their core values, which is another thing that's not, you know, and knowing when to walk away. And it's important to know what your core values are and when you stick to them and when you can take your core values and still be flexible and compromise so that you can come to a common good and a common I'd solution. I'd like to add to that as well. And that is knowing you have to be realistic about who you are and what you bring to the table. And, Absolutely, 100%. and I, yes, one, 100,000 percent, I'll say. Uh, it's good to do, though, to come at that from a place of confidence, because it has a very different effect when you come at that, when you honestly know what you bring to the table and you come to that place from confidence. It's a very different outcome than when you think, you know, but you don't approach it from a place of confidence. So the way I would kind of couch that, I always use this goofy analogy when i was like in eighth grade that's when like nintendo came out right and mario brothers I'd, i i had in television which was a lot more primitive with little blockhead figures and stuff i was very good at it but mm -hmm. i'd go over to a friend's house that had mario brothers and you know we'd sit and play and i'd run off the cliff within a couple seconds and then you know i'd sit and watch for an hour of this expert going through things you know and racking up all these points and you know, he would jump off a block and hit this block that wasn't there. He knew it was there, but it wasn't visible to anybody. And it opened up this whole other world or this blind spot that nobody knew about. So when it comes to corporate events, I think it's one of those things that you don't know good until you've seen it. And there's always a different layer above. And so I think it's really important to go in with an open mind and know that like, you know, there's a whole nother universe that you have to educate people on a whole nother layer of, of possibility. And I think that's where, you know, certain people will advocate for themselves at a, at a, a level when there's something or at a B or C level, when there's, there's levels above them that they're just not aware of their blind spots to them. And I mm -hmm. think that's where it, in the sales process, that's where it's really important to talk about to your clients. Um, you know, and I think I think the other thing, too, in our industry that I've found to be successful when you're talking about values and things like that, it's like, you know, we as producers get sold to all the time and everybody wants to, you know, hire my band and talk to me. And it's like we're very much like don't find us, we'll find you kind of society, you know, like with within because we just, you know, it for for time management sake so i found like kind of the best way to get into that inner circle is you know anthony you and i met at uh, iacep way back in 2007 and my my charge with that was like okay within a year i want to get on the board of directors and i want to volunteer for committees with producers that i want to work with so that i don't have to sell to them i can help them with something mm -hmm. that they're working on let them get to know me know me as somebody that they can count on and eventually they go what do you do again you're really helpful mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that way you know i think I think people need to learn creative ways to sell without selling, if that, that makes sense. Absolutely. And that way you're that way you're doing that from your values so that people can right. see, like, hey, I've already built up trust with this person. I've already built up a rapport. So I, I feel like our values align and now I want to do business with them. Not to change the subject, but that is just another great point to make. And that is you volunteered. And you went in and you joined an organization, you paid money to join an organization, and then you went in gangbusters, met as many people as you could and volunteered. That is, that's immeasurable when it comes to building a career in today's terms. It's what needs to happen. And I just want to remind our listeners that you came from a corporate career and started doing this, which meant you were probably making a lot less. Uh, 
than you were in your corporate career, but you were focused on building something. Most people don't want to give up something to build something else. They want to just walk across a bridge and have it be exactly the same. And you took a risk, but you did what you needed to do. And that's what people need to do to, to become successful. So I just wanted to point that out to our listeners. You want to comment? Oh, most definitely. I think that, you know, number one, I think the time in our industry to stand on an island by yourself is over. I think collaboration is really important. I think there's enough business out there, um, you know, that people that are scared of losing business aren't confident in what they are delivering. Right. And I think, you know, like, uh, you know, I've learned a ton from a lot of mentors in the business. Uh, Dick Smith, who, you know, was kind of, you know, the the godfather of corporate entertainment before the internet, and there was a really a little black book of how do you how do you get to celebrity talent and things like right. that. And one of the things that always struck me about Dick was he was never afraid to introduce a colleague directly to his client, tell him his name, tell him his email address, all this stuff, you know, because they knew. Like Dick was assembling a team of, of experts and he wasn't afraid, uh, you know, by, by being transparent like that, you know, he was, you know, he, he gave his partners the confidence that they weren't going to backstab him because he was going out there and he was giving them business and he was giving the client what they wanted with the best experts. And I think, I think I learned a lot from that of, you know, not trying to, not trying to always look over your shoulder and be so paranoid about everything. It's like, you know, every once in a while you're going to lose business because people are, you know, unscrupulous, people. you know, people. but for the most part, you know, I think it pays itself back if you help other people, because then they tend to want to help you, you know? And I, I also think the other thing that's really important is mentorship. Um, you know, as we get older and, you know, it's important to bring along the younger people and educate them on, uh, you know, how to have longevity in this business, how to have integrity with it so that, you know, you weed through the quick buck artists and things like that. But I mean, I know for myself that, you know, there were a lot of times when I just wanted somebody that I could ask a question to without fear of being judged or fear of like, Oh, wow, you don't know that, you know, fear of being vulnerable. And I think, being somebody else's Yoda is really, you know, great for our industry because I just, you know, I think at a certain point, it's really our responsibility to, to help maintain the integrity, you know, put the foundation under the house of cards that we all built and mm -hmm. stuff, you know, so. It's interesting. I think that's, oh, I'm sorry, Anthony. No, go ahead. Go I ahead. was just saying, I think that's really, really great. I love to hear you say this and just because that's how you operate, Anthony. And I see that in experience and experience that with you working with you for the last seven years. So it's just, it's nice to see that nice to hear it more often that more people do that, because I know it's, that's something about, you know, Anthony that I greatly admire and respect that that's how he approaches his business and his life. Well, thank you for that. I'm completely floored now. And I don't even remember what I was going to ask. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it must not have been as important as hearing that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's, You're welcome. that's I mean great. It. You know, it, it's, it's helped me immensely and it helps me. I mean, I think I, 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 I approach life that way when you see it in action from other people in such an uh, integral way of how they live their life, it helps you. Mm -hmm. do that more, but it also helps you pass that on to other people. Thank you. You know, I, I, we've worked with a lot of uh, celebrities as well. And my benchmark on professionalism is always placed on somebody's ability. The, the more confident and able uh, a celebrity feels, the, the less angst and um, what feels like narcissistic behavior, but is really more about, you know, feeling that insecurity comes out. Um, 
you know, that's been my benchmark. If somebody is really, really secure in talent with their talent and who they are, there's no reason to be anything but pleasant. And so it becomes a, it becomes a, an aspiration of mine as well. So it's in you, obviously you, you, you partake in this theory as well. And I know that Alex does too. For sure. I mean, it, you know, the old saying, the smartest guy in the room doesn't have to tell you he's the smartest guy in the room. Right. You just know. Yes. And, uh, you know, and I think that at the end of the day, we're all people that get up and put our socks on one at a time and our pants on one, one leg at a time. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's important to just remember that and, you know, treat people like you want to be treated. And it, usually comes back at you and you know in a good way would you say that's more important today than it has been in the last five or 10 15 years showing kindness and vulnerability 100 vulnerability grace, grace. yeah 100 percent. i think right now um you know everybody's under so much pressure i mean so much has changed you know, I think about my poor mother who's 80 years old that like the, the technological, exponential technological leaps that have happened from like, uh, she was born before there were television sets. And now you've got these, you know, computers in your pockets that are phones and AI going, you know, it's like, it's mind blowing to think that, but you look at, you know, what's happened and that, you know, the advent of social media where everybody has an opinion and everybody has a voice and the 24 seven fact that anybody, you know, back before cell phones, there weren't a lot of emergencies after five o'clock because you just had to figure it out because you couldn't get a hold of people. And so now when everybody's always so accessible, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to help people draw boundaries and find balance and be supportive and, and just give people a little bit of a break every once in a while, because we all need it for our mental health. I mean, before you weren't allowed to talk about mental health, you were crazy. If there was, if you were in therapy, if there was something wrong with you and now it's like, you know, I look at things like therapy is like, well, you go get your oil changed in your car. Right. So, you know, to keep it, well and healthy. So things like that, I think are really important to just, again, give people grace, take a step back, be supportive of them, you know, ask more questions than you give more answers, you know, things like that, where, you know, you can get other people talking and understanding, you know, what are their pain points with this event? And then how can you solve them as opposed to, you know, constantly trying to jam your square peg into their round hole? Um, I think it's super important. Mm -hmm. have you read I, oh i have to ask ahead. this now because now i remember <laughs> have you read much uh brene brown um my wife has been doing a lot of brene brown stuff uh she does a lot of audibles uh i'm a big eckhart tolle guy um mm -hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with mm -hmm. power of now and new earth um and then i listen to a, a tara brock does a great podcast and a lot of meditations and things like mm -hmm. that um that are super positive for me. And, you know, and I'm also in a group called entrepreneurs organization, which is a national, uh, national organization of business owners. So we get a lot of speakers that talk about, you know, finding your why and things like that. And, you know, just kind of how to function and, and, you know, be, uh, you know, be present. I think that's super important. You know, your, your worth just went, I mean, both of you, skyrocketed Eckhart Tolle and Brene Brown. I'm the audience can't see it, but I'm bound down to you. because <laughs> Awesome. Makes well, me so I bring, happy. I bring it up because uh, she speaks about being vulnerable mm -hmm. and the importance of that. And so does um, Jim Collins in Good to Great. He talks about yep. uh, being an accessible, vulnerable leader you know, not always having to be the one with the answers and, you know, there, you want to be accessible. It makes you, uh, it just uh, makes people work with you more efficiently and more easily. And well, now I'm, so it's a, now I'm on and on. maybe a, a decent segue, Anthony, you were one of my recipients, but yesterday uh, I just wrote, I had started a project 
365 days ago where uh, it, it stemmed from, I was talking to my daughter on a walk home from my golf course and uh, it, we were talking about our love for journaling. And then I had gotten home and I talked to our colleague, Paul Creighton uh, on the phone who had told me like, Hey, I got 1800 bucks in stimulus money. And it's just enough. I want to pay it forward to people in our industry, but it's just enough to cause more problems than it solves. He said, you know, if you give 50 bucks to 36 people that have lost everything, they go, that's it, 50 bucks. And if you give 300 to six people, the seventh and eighth go, well, what about me? And so I came up with this idea combining the two that I, I went out and bought 365 $5 Starbucks gift cards. And each morning that I woke up or before I went to bed, I wrote a letter of gratitude a day to somebody, whoever, you know, some of it was people I interact with currently. Some of it was people that were part of my life when I was growing up that I've lost touch with. It, it varied, but I just finished my 365th letter. Wow. And it was a year of vulnerability. I mean, I probably wrote over a thousand pages about that. And I talked about just, you know, the 5% that people just don't go to. And I think it was so gratifying to me to be able to put like some of my pain out there and dehumanize it to me and like be able to look at it on, on paper and send it off. But I think that the happy accident was people started to view me as human as opposed to like sometimes when you're in a position of success and power in our industry, people just think like you travel all over the place, you've played for this and that, you everything's got to be great for you. I wish I could switch, but you know, and it's like everybody has pain out there. Everybody has vulnerability. It's just a matter of like if you if you're confident enough to show it, then it allows people to kind of take a step back and go, wow, this person bleeds red, you know, just like, you know, if you cut into one, blood's going to, you know, they're not a, a Android. They're not a robot. They're a human being that deserves to be treated with respect and compassion and grace and, uh, you know, all of the above. And I think that whole project for me was just super life-changing. I was the recipient of one of, uh, David's letters and it floored mm. me uh, how beautiful a letter it was. And, I am so uh, touched by this. Yeah, it touched me too. Yeah, it was a it was a daring thing to do, and uh, you did put yourself out there, and it it made me feel closer to you. Reading that letter that you sent it to me, so um, I will likely keep it forever <laughs> probably you know reserve a spot in my little box that i keep things in and uh it, and i thank you for including me I, i'm i was honored to be included no oh, i'm glad you know the funny thing looking back at the project that the few things that i will say is my faith in the usps has increased about three percent that it actually <laughs> oh, delivers yeah. letters i've also realized people don't often get their mail and people really like Starbucks. There <laughs> so you go. <laughs> it was kind of a funny little, turned into a little funny science project by the and end. I, but. And I have used that Starbucks card for sure. Excellent. <laughs> so um, you mentioned in the letter that your father passed this year. Sorry. And um, now I'm looking at a photo of Ronnie and the highlights and the cover is, I wish that we were married. Is that? No, so I think uh, if you look up uh, Google highlights City of Angels, um, you know, you can, if you go to YouTube and you can see it. Um, but yeah, I lost my dad in, uh, in January of 20, which I was very, uh, very glad about in the sense that it was two months before COVID hit. And, you know, my dad was my best friend. He was my mentor. He was, you know, my, my father. And, um, you know, I always kind of think, I, I kind of feel like I'm a spiritual person, not necessarily religious. I, I believe that there's, I feel like I need to give my supreme being a name, but I feel like there's some sort of supreme being out there that, you know, non-denominational that is kind Bubba. of pulling the strings. Yeah, that sounds good. Bubba. But I, I feel like my dad's passing, like, you know, it's funny because I, at the height of, you know, at the height of my game, 
you know, before COVID and, you know, the height of our earnings, which, you know, were, were fantastic for the career path that we've chosen. I was still having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Like I, I was the rainmaker and I had so many people counting on me for everything. And like, I was a person that was of extremes. I was either on top of the world or if things collapsed, I'd be selling pencils at the bottom of the on-ramp of the expressway. Like there was no middle ground for me. So I was having trouble, you know, like anxiety and panic, you know, of what happens if the sky falls. And, you know, when my dad passed, um, I did something different for his funeral, you know, the ultimate event planner's nightmare, planning your dad's funeral, right? And so instead of just having the guy in the box that people come into creepy funeral music and go, sorry for your loss. And they sit for three minutes looking at their watch going, when can I get the heck out of here? I took my dad's most interesting life and I created a museum in the, in the funeral parlor. And I had 13 different like exhibits about when he won the car, when he was 12, when he had the hit record, when he became a school teacher, when he became a business executive and then all this stuff. And I journaled, you know, all the little museum plaques and they had photos and memorabilia and stuff. And what I realized about halfway through journaling for 16 hours about my dad was I never mentioned money once. I never mentioned a possession once. It was all about time and experiences. And so it kind of put me at ease to say like, hey, money's great and everything, but it, like everything's going to be okay. And it was kind of his, and I, I always used to say to myself, look, if I could just make half of what I'm making, I'll be fine. I can live and I could fall out of bed doing that. And it was almost like my dad's last lesson that he gave himself up to teach me two months before COVID and go, hey, kid, I'm going to teach you this one last thing before I go and teach you that none of this matters. It's all about relationships and experiences and not possessions and not, you know, money, because remember that 50% you were thinking it's going to be more like 95%. So in two months, you're really going to need this lesson. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of, I think the blessing of, you know, when he passed and the timing of it, I, I, think it was not coincidental. And, and the irony of it all, too, is I wrote my dad a posthumous letter for Father's Day of 2021. And I went to his, uh, his grave site, and I, I read it to him and taped it to his grave. And, uh, you know, I'd explained to him that over the last 16 months, you know, like, how I'd grown closer to my family, how business was just gutted, and bottomed out, but then I'm okay that the lesson that he taught me, you know, all of that, like made it okay for me, I was doing okay and surviving. And the next morning, I swear on my life, I got an email from the SBA saying that I got a very large grant from the shuttered venue operators grant, like, and that to me was my dad going, I still got you. Don't worry about it. Like, yep. you know, and I just, uh, you know, that, that, that whole process of writing all those letters and then seeing, seeing the timing, you know, people would call me crying and go, how did you know to send the letter today? And I go, I didn't, that's the beauty of it. You know, people came to their mailbox and they got these things and they're, you know, and it's like, you just never know when a kind word is needed for somebody. And, you know, so I just kind of feel like everything happens for a reason. And if you stay, you know, the only real moment that we have is what we have right now. Like the future hasn't happened. The past is already gone. So all we can do is just, you know, try and enjoy what we have in the moment. There are no accidents. And I'm going to say this in particular to you being on the show today, because you kind of made me weep there a little bit oh. in a good way. But I've been doing some really deep deep, deep soul work, spiritual work, meditation, um, for, you know, practicing Reiki, all of these things. And I meditate once to four times a day. Um, and it, at the top of the show, I told Anthony that I know that this year, I know 2022, it's going to be an amazing year. It's not a, a wish. And it's not a hope. It's a knowing. And I, you being on the show right now, kind of validating the work that I've been doing for the last several months and everything I've acknowledged out of divorce and COVID happening at the same time, it's, it's no accident you're here. And it's oh. really lovely to hear you say everything you just said, and especially about your father. So oh. Thank you. Yes. Oh. Touched. And I hate to do this, but we have to wrap on that note because there's so <laughs> much more I wanted to ask you. Um, but before I do wrap, 
I'm really hoping to see you in Anaheim in May for the special event. And I am uh, officially the chair of the leadership event. So I, I definitely hope to see you there. And I definitely would ask you to save me a seat if you go. You I know will. what I'm talking about. I will. Save three seats because there'd be three of us there and we'll want to sit with you. That will be fantastic. All right. And I so appreciate you guys having me today. This has been oh so my much goodness. fun. But you can't go yet because we always close, not always, but when we have people on that we love, we close with a this or that. Okay. So we'll just ask you 10 questions. Do you prefer this or that? And you'll tell us. Uh, the one rule that we'll throw in there is that you can say, I'd like both one time. And you can say, eh, neither one time. Okay. You got 10 of them. All right. I got Elton you. John or Freddie Mercury? Number one, Elton John or Freddie Mercury? Freddie Mercury. Good for you. You didn't blow your wad on that one either. Freddie Mercury. Can't agree more. Deep dish or thin crust? Deep dish. Mm -hmm. Corporate or social? Corporate. Motown or classic rock? Easy. Motown. I had the Temptations play at my wedding. <laughs> did you really? That's great. I I, wow. I've known that you can probably see up here. Let's see. Well, you, the viewers can't see it, but ah, right up there, <laughs> I'm showing them a picture of me standing on stage with the Temptations when I was 14 years old. Oh, wow. Dear friends of mine. And to take it further, my son's middle name is Kendrick after Eddie Kendrick from the Temptations. Wow. I, I'm going to also just comment quickly that I met them once back in the 80s. And it was because my Aunt Lee, who wasn't my real aunt, but was this really swinging great lady who became my aunt, took me to their concert and then insisted on finding the party afterward, nice. which we did. Yep. So we I was actually up. I was a pallbearer at Richard Street's funeral, believe it or not. Wow. Temptation. So anyway. All right. Number six. Motown. <laughs> Motown. Number five. Excuse me. Virtual or live? Oh, live. Mm. The Sears Tower or the Willis Tower? Sears. What you talking about? <laughs> Uh, okay, live theater or film? Both. Hmm. Gin or vodka? Neither. Yay. Do you drink? Wine. See? <laughs> wine and almost <laughs> exclusively wine. Me too, yeah. You started that question with I beer know. or wine, but then felt it was just way too basic. Meanwhile, gin and vodka is just a little less basic. We, we lost on that one. Okay. New Year's resolutions or uh, why bother? Why bother with a caveat? And that caveat is there's no reason to wait till a certain date to make a change that you need to make. Just make it. Right. That's a Can we just have you back every single week? <laughs> That's a really, really good point. Just start. Why wait? And then last, uh, performing or producing? Mm, I already used my both. So um, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say producing uh, because I love the creativity of it. I mean, I, I do both and I love both, but I used my both. So I got to pick something. So. And producing, <laughs> uh, for me at least, there doesn't seem to be a, a dead end at the road, at the end of the road. You know, there's a right or a left. Uh, you can go on and do it for, for a much longer period of time. And it's sure. about the total vision, right? Not just. For sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and on that note, I think that uh, it'd be great if we could sit in a room, all of the creatives, and talk about how really to make events experiential the way that they really should be from the minute people walk onto the property. Uh, because 
we're going to have to up our game in the next couple of years, I think. Yep. And really wow those people who are out and about. No doubt. I'm sure you won't have a problem though, because <laughs> uh, you're Dave Calzaretta, AKA Calzone. Wow, that was just terrific having David Calzaretta with us from Maggie Speaks out yeah. of Chicagoland. You've never what met him, it, Alex? No, yeah. and I'm going to tell you, that was such an incredible treat and a way to start the new year. Um, I am finding that I am surrounded more and more uh, of people of his caliber who treat like the way he does. And I just think that was a blessing. It was really wonderful. I, I so enjoyed meeting him. I'm so glad. That's what this is all about. Happy New Year, everyone. And if you like listening to us today, please, please tell your friends about us. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us five stars. And remember, you can come back and give us five stars again. Just saying. If you'd like to leave us a comment or ask us a question, please go to bolotta.com. That's B-O-L-L-O-T-T-A.com. Look for the podcast tab and there'll be a little place for you to tell us what you're thinking. That's it for now. We're going to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Alex. Happy New Year and goodbye. Happy New Year. Stay engaging. Oh, I love it. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Oh gosh, thank you. Thank this you. This was so delightful. Much. Yes. And uh it's it's we're compadres. We're compadres. And uh I've I'm walking away with that. So thank you. You're you're a terrific guy. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. Both of you so enjoyed today. It made my day. So well, God bless, Bubba bless, whatever happy, you want to say. Happy, happy holidays. And happy, or as they say, New Year's. Miami, happy New Year's, right? Or as they yep. say in Miami, happy holidays. <laughs>